Section 78 of Up One Pair of Stairs of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Jones. Up One Pair of Stairs of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Boper Miller. Dick Whittington and His Cat. A long time ago, in the reign of King Edward III, there lived a boy called Dick Whittington. Dick had no father or mother, and as he was not old enough to work for his living, he had a hard time getting on in the world. Sometimes he had no breakfast, sometimes he had no dinner, and he was happy indeed when the poor people in the village where he lived could spare him a crust of bread or a few potatoes to eat. Now these good country people were forever talking about London, not one of them had really been to the great city, but they seemed to know all about it just the same. Some said that all the folk who lived in London were fine gentlemen and ladies, and that there was singing and music there all day long. Others said that nobody was ever hungry there, nobody had to work, and the streets were all paved with gold. Dick listened eagerly to these stories and began to wish with all his heart that he could visit that wonderful place. One day, as he was leaning against the signpost, there came dashing up to the village a great wagon drawn by eight horses, all with bells on their heads. Dick said to himself at once that this wagon must be going to the fine city of London. When the driver was ready to start off again, the lad ran up to him and asked if he might not walk by the side of the wagon. Thinking that such a ragged boy could not be worse off than he now appeared to be, and learning that he had neither father or mother to keep him in the village, the driver told him that he might do as he liked, and off they started. It was a long walk for Dick, but he trudged sturdily on, and so he did indeed at last come to the city of London. In such a hurry was he to see the wonderful sights of the place that he ran off at once, even forgetting altogether to thank the good-natured driver. Up one street and down another he went, trying to find those that were paved with gold. For he had once seen a beautiful piece of money called a guinea that was gold, and he knew how many fine things it would buy. Now, he thought to himself, if I could only find those golden streets, I could break a little bit off the pavement and buy everything I need. Ah, he did not know that fortune is not so easily won. He ran and ran and ran, till he was so tired he could go no farther. But in all the streets there was only dirt, and not a sign of gold. At last, as night was falling, he sat down in a dark corner and cried himself to sleep. When he awoke, it was morning, and he was very hungry, having nothing whatever to eat, and no money with which to buy food. He walked about from one street to another, asking those whom he met to give him a penny. "'Go to work, you idle fellow!' said some of these, and the rest passed him by without even looking at him. By and by, having grown so hungry and tired that he could go no farther, he laid himself down by the door of a very fine house. If only I knew how to find work, he sobbed. Here he was soon seen by the cook, who called out to him in a temper. What are you doing there, you little beggar? If you don't get away quick, I'll throw a pan of dishwater over you. I've some here hot enough to make you jump. Just at that moment, Mr. Fitzwarren, who was the master of the house, happened to be coming home to dinner. When he saw the ragged little fellow at his door, he said to him, 
Well, well, my lad. Why are you lying there? You seem old enough to work. Can it be that you are lazy? No, indeed, sir, said Dick. I would work with all my heart if I could find anything to do. But I do not know a soul in London, and I have not had anything to eat for a long time. Poor little fellow, said Mr Fitzwarren. Come in, and I'll see what I can do for you. So the kind merchant ordered his cook to give the lad a good dinner, and then to find some sort of work for him. Thus Dick was settled in the Fitzwarren house, and would have lived there very happily, if it had not been for the ill-natured cook. She would often say, You're under my orders now. Do as you're told. Stand around there. Clean the spit and the dripping pan. Make the fires. Wash these dishes. Sweep the floor. Bring in the wood. And do it all quickly, or... And she would shake her ladle, box his ears, or flourish her broomstick over his shoulders. At last, little Mistress Alice Fitzwarren, daughter of the kind merchant, chanced to see how the lad was treated, and she told the cook she would be turned away at once if she did not use him more kindly. After that, Dick had an easier time of it, but there was still something that troubled him. His bed was in a garret at the top of the house, and there were so many holes in the floor and walls that every night a great number of rats and mice came in. They raced back and forth over Dick and made his room so unpleasant that he did not know what to do. One day he earned a penny from a gentleman for cleaning his shoes, and he said to himself that the best use he could make of the money would be to buy a cat with it. The very next morning he met a girl with a cat in her arms. "'I'll give you a penny for that cat,' he said. "'Well and good,' the girl answered. "'You can have her, and you'll find that the mice don't stay along about where she is.' So Dick hid his cat in the garret, and every day he was careful to save a part of his dinner and carry it up to her. Soon she had driven all the rats and mice away, and then Dick could sleep soundly every night. Not long after this, a ship that belonged to Mr Fitzwarren was loaded and made ready to start on a voyage to a far-off land across the sea. Now, Mr Fitzwarren always gave his servants the chance to send out in his ships something of their own, in the hopes of making a good trade for them. So he called them all together and asked what each one would like to venture. Everyone had something to send. Everyone but Dick. And as he had neither money nor goods, he did not go with the rest of them into the parlour. Little Mistress Alice guessed at once why he did not come, and she said, Dear father, surely Dick should have a chance too. Here is some money for my own purse that you may take for him. But Mr Fitzwarren answered, No, my child, he must send something of his own. Then he called Dick to him and said, what are you going to venture on the ship, my lad? I have nothing in the world to send, answered Dick. Nothing but a cat which I bought some time ago for a penny. Fetch your cat, then, said Mr Fitzwarren, and let her go. Who knows, but she might be traded for some good profit. So Dick brought down poor Puss with tears in his eyes and carried her to the ship and gave her with many sad farewell squeezes to the captain. Everybody laughed at the thought of making a fortune by trading a cat. Everybody, that is, except Mistress Alice, and she was sorry for Dick and tried to comfort him. After that, though Dick worked as faithfully as ever, the cook gave way more and more to ill temper. She made fun of him, too, for sending his cat to sea. Do you think, she used often to say, that your puss would sell for as much money as would buy a stick to beat you? 
At last, Dick thought he could bear the hard work and harsh treatment no longer. So he made up his mind to leave the place. He packed up his few poor things, and very early on All Hallows' Day, he started. He walked as far as the place called Holloway, and there he sat down on a stone to rest. As he sat there, thinking sadly, and wondering which road he should take, he heard the six great bells on Bow Church ringing out a merry chime in the distance. He listened. They seemed to say something, and this is what they said. Turn again, Whittington, thrice Lord Mayor of London. Turn again, Whittington, thrice Lord Mayor of London. Lord Mayor of London, he said to himself. Well, if I thought I could become Lord Mayor at last and make London a better city, that would indeed be worth working for. I think I will go back and get straight to work again. Let the old cook cuff and scold as she pleases. Straightway Dick did go back, and it fell out very happily that he got into the kitchen and at work before the cook even came downstairs. And the stone on which he sat and made that important decision is to this day called Whittington Stone. Meantime, Mistress Puss was journeying in Mr Fitzwarren's ship over the seas. The ship made a long voyage, and at last was driven by the winds onto the coast of Africa. The Moors who lived there had never seen any white men before, and they came in great crowds to look at their pale faces, which they thought very strange. Soon they began to buy the fine things with which the ship was loaded. Seeing this, the captain sent samples of the best wares he had to the king of the country, which was Barbary, and it was not long before the king sent for him to come to the palace. When the captain arrived, he was shown into a splendid chamber and invited to seat himself on a rich carpet, all flowered with silver and gold. The king and queen were seated in very grand state at the upper end of the room, and no sooner was all in readiness than a number of steaming dishes were brought in for dinner. Hardly had the dishes been set down before them, however, when an army of rats and mice rushed in and devoured all the food in a twinkling. The captain wondered greatly at this. Is it not most unpleasant to have so many rats and mice about? he asked. And do you do nothing to drive them away from the palace? Oh, alas, was the answer. It is indeed most unpleasant, but we have tried in vain to drive them away. The king would give half his treasure if he could only get rid of them. At that, an idea flashed into the captain's mind. Dick Whittington's cat! Dick Whittington's cat! He cried out to the king that he had a little creature on board his ship, which would make short work of the pests. The king was overjoyed. Bring her here to me, he said. If she will indeed do what you say, I will load your ship with gold in exchange for her. It is not very convenient to part with her, said the captain, but to oblige your majesty, I will fetch her. Do, ah, do, said the queen. I do so wish to see the dear creature. So the captain went down to the ship, while another dinner was being made ready. He took Puss in his arms and returned to the palace just in time to see a second army of rats rush out on the newly brought food. The cat was out of his arms in a moment and in among the troublesome creatures. Oh, how they scampered and scurried, hither and yon, hither and yon. Soon there was not one of them left on the table. The king cried out in his joy at this feat, and the queen desired that the little creature which had served them so well should be brought for her to look at. Upon this, the captain called, Pussy! 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 
and Mistress Puss came bounding to him. He lifted her up and offered to put her on the Queen's lap, but the Queen drew back at first and would not touch her. However, when she saw how the captain stroked the little creature and called, Pussy, 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 she ventured to touch her. Putty, 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 was all she could say, for she had not learned to speak English. When once she had the cat curled up snug on her lap and gently purring, she would not for worlds have parted with her. So the king at once made a bargain with the captain to buy all the goods on board his ship. But he gave him ten times as much for the cat as for all the goods put together. The captain then took leave of the king and queen of Barbary, and the very next day set sail for England. One morning, some months after this, Mr Fitzwarren was in his counting house, counting out his money, when he heard someone tap at his door. Who's there? said he. A friend, was the answer. A friend with news of your good ship Unicorn. Mr Fitzwarren hastened to open the door, and whom should he see before him but the captain himself, with a bill of lading in one hand and a box of jewels in the other. So full of joy was the good merchant then that he lifted his eyes and thanked heaven for sending him such good fortune. The first story the captain told was about Mistress Puss, and he showed the rich payment which the king and queen had made to poor Dick in exchange for her. As soon as the good gentleman heard this, he called out loudly to his servants, Go, send him in, and tell him of his fame. Pray, call him Mr. Whittington by name, too. Dick was diligently scouring pots for the cook when word was brought to him that he was called to the counting-house. To the counting-house? I cannot go, I'm too dirty, he cried. But he was bidden to go just the same. No sooner had he appeared in the room than Mr. Fitzwarren addressed him as Mr. Whittington and ordered a chair to be set for him. Then the lad thought surely his master and the men about must be poking fun at him. Do not poke fun at a simple lad like me, he said. Let me go back, if you please, to my work. Mr. Whittington, said Mr. Fitzwarren, no one is poking fun at you. This is what has happened. The captain has sold your cat to the king of Barbary and has bought you in return for her more riches than I have put together. Then he bade his men open the chest of treasure and show it to Dick. The poor boy could scarcely believe his eyes. He begged his master to take a part of the treasure, but Mr Fitzwarren said, No, it is all your own, and I feel sure you will use it well. Dick next asked Mrs Alice to take some of the jewels, but she too thanked him and refused. Your good fortune makes me happy, she said, and you have deserved it all. But Dick was too big-hearted to keep all the treasure himself. He made presents to the captain, the sailors, the servants in Mr Fitzwarren's household, and even to the ill-natured old cook. When Whittington's face was washed, and his hair curled, and he was dressed in a nice suit of clothes, he appeared as handsome a young man as one could wish to see. Some years after this, there was a fine wedding in one of the great churches in London. Mistress Alice became the wife of Mr Richard Whittington. And the Lord Mayor was there, and the great judges, and the sheriffs, and many more besides. But Richard Whittington, in spite of his great fortune, worked on as diligently and faithfully as ever. He was first a great merchant, then sheriff of the city, then thrice Lord Mayor. King Henry V bestowed on him the honour of knighthood, and he became Sir Richard Whittington. 
As Lord Mayor, he did many fine things for the city of London, and left it much better than he found it. So, for three hundred years after his time, there have been pointed out to all visitors the figures of Dick and his cat carved in stone on the archway of one of the great buildings he caused to be erected. Thus it came to pass that by going back to his place and keeping faithfully at his work, no matter how hard he found it, he proved the words of the great bells of Bow to be true when they called him Whittington, thrice Lord Mayor of London. End of section 78